You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. And welcome to this week's edition of The Game Corner, hosted by Keanu Calicorn, as always. And this week, I am joined by our first comedian on the show, uh, Alex Byrne. Is it Alex Byrne or Alex J. Byrne, just in case people are looking you up? Well, it depends who's asking, I suppose. <laughs> Alex J. Byrne, I suppose, would be the one that I go by on Facebook. So, yeah, we'll go with Alex J. Byrne. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you so much for reaching out to us. So, how have you been doing? I imagine, like, since the lockdown started, you've had your livelihood's been impacted a bit, right? Yeah, it has because I'm doing the stand up comedy as a hobby because, I mean, it's hard to get paid doing that, mm. to be honest. But um, I'd also work like, as an entertainer. I do like children's entertainment, like, you know, magic balloons and all that type of thing. And I'd also do like, Hosted events for adults kind of entertainment as well so that industry has been massively affected as a whole both in terms of trying to earn with the entertainment work for the children and there's no stand-up gigs at all mm. and i've got to ask like because i'm sure it's the first thing you get asked when like you introduce yourself how does anyone become a comedian and um, the way i did it was i was doing some courses in the gaiety so back in 2015 i started doing like some kind of part-time evening course in the gaiety and different kind of acting and like theater type of thing so when i was doing that and just for whatever reason i used to just go in you know kind of make comedic sketches and like kind of do different funny things yeah. and i completed the course and i didn't really know what to do so i asked some of the teachers there what should i do and they suggested that i do the stand-up comedy part-time course there because they just felt that it was something i'd be good at because i said i was quite comedic and also one of my fairly close friends uh, has been <laughs> asking me to do comedy for quite a while before that and his his exact words were if I didn't do stand-up comedy, he wouldn't speak to me again. So that was, uh, I suppose, the push that I needed. <laughs> so that's how you and become yeah, a comedian. You get threatened like, into us. Of course. <laughs> and then you start telling jokes, and then they're like, what have I unleashed on the world? <laughs> but I did that course from there, and yeah, just went from there, doing the gigs, and I've loved it. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, so uh, at the top of the show, you mentioned that, like, you do all kinds of events, like kids' parties and stand-up yeah. and that kind of stuff. Like... Obviously, lockdown aside, what was like an average week for you? Like, what kind of events do you do? Well, an average week for me when there's work available. So primarily your busy months would be like kind of May with all the communions. And then you'd have a lot of work over Christmas. So Communions, really? Yeah, communions are very busy for the kids. Like, you wouldn't believe the amount of families that would hire a children's entertainer for communions. Okay. All right. I would have thought that communions would be a bit sacred, you know? Yeah, but apparently that's only uh, related to the church afterwards. I think it's not all's part. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> and I see, um, I always see when I'm doing the events, I see all of like the kids in their communion gear and they have these three piece suits. And I, I always think back to my lovely knitted cardigan that my mother knitted for me for my <laughs> communion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have seen a lot of sympathy posts going out to all of the kids who aren't getting their confirmations and communions because of the lockdown and they're all bemoaning mm. about the money they're not going to get and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I feel their pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I have to imagine that your industry isn't incredibly adaptive to just sort of working from home. So, how have you been managing since all this started? 
Well, since all this started, I've just been kind of around. To be honest, I've enjoyed the time because life has been so busy and there's been a lot of things to do. So although the lockdown, is, the whole coronavirus is horrible and I'd love it to pass as soon as possible. It has been an element of, I have enjoyed being at home. Like I'm here with my dogs and I'm, you know, clean and cooking. And yeah, playing a lot of video games too, which is why I reached out when I saw the podcast <laughs> as well. Because when I was a child, especially, I, I followed the normal kind of suit as a child. So I had my collection of PlayStation 1 games, which was a very large collection, very large collection of PlayStation 2 games, mm. relatively large collection of PS3 games, then uh, a short collection of PlayStation 4 games, the natural cycle, <laughs> I think, of broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Isn't this it funny is how, right as a kid, as well. I'm not sure if you felt this, but like as a kid, it felt like you had to pick a side with the consoles. Like you're either a PlayStation yeah. kid or you're a Nintendo kid. Or what was mm-hmm. the other one? Was it where the Xboxes like? Oh, they had there, like Dreamcast like, and stuff. Dreamcast, Sega. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So you're yeah, still kind of you, you're still working through these back on the PlayStation then, like. Yeah, and to be honest, I've always been a PlayStation guy. Like, I'm here, and I still have the four consoles as well. Four mm. working consoles. Well, the fact that they're working makes them very valuable. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then, uh, just before we get into the games, if, because you've just mentioned you do variety of events, all that kind of stuff, where can people listening at home find you? Well, I'm on Facebook on a personal page if you're looking for any kind of entertainment business work, uh, just at Alex J. Byrne. But I also have my comedian page, which I don't use as much as I probably should. <laughs> um, it's very, it's a very modest name. It's The Great Alex Byrne, which is a <laughs> modest name I come up with myself. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you got to start with confidence. like Absolutely. That's what they say about confidence. Confidence and honesty. Once you can fake either of those, you've made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you're just being honest about the details where they can find you then. Of course, of course. That part I am always honest about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that humble note, we'll move into the games you've been playing. So uh, mm. what games you've been playing since the lockdown started? You mentioned you have three in particular, actually, that you've been playing since the lockdown. Yep, three. I've actually played exactly three games since the lockdown started. And he, they even have the numbers one, two, and three in them. And they're all my first <laughs> playthroughs of each game. I played Red Dead 1, Red Dead 2, and Witcher 3. And the way I actually started was when lockdown was starting, right, as everything was starting to shut down, I said, right, I'm not working, so I'm going to go up to Smith's and basically get a game and see what I can play to keep me entertained during lockdown. I had no idea what I was going to buy. So I was looking around at these different games, so what should I do? And I saw Red Dead Redemption 2 was on sale for 35 euros. So I said, look, I've heard a lot of good things about this game. So I'll go home and play this and uh, queue about a 10-hour download of content. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, like, it's the price of, like, you know, getting some 500 hours worth of decent content after the fact, though. Like, Yeah, of course. Like, um, it's... I don't even know when, because I'm not as much of a gaming expert as I like to say. I don't bluff as well as you. But like, at what point did <laughs> downloads for a game you physically own become a thing? Like, that seems to be a contradiction of sorts. Like, yeah, I think I could be mistaken, but I don't remember it being a thing before the PlayStation Four. Mm. I just remember, you know, you get your game, you get your disc, you open the box, pop it in, and away you go. But I just with the PlayStation Four, it seems to be a case of that you install the game. And they got to download and they got to, the install mm. seems to take longer because they're such big games. And also they're, all, they're updating all the time as well. So you go and play a game you haven't played for a few weeks and all of a sudden it's like updating the new versions <laughs> before you can yeah. use it. 
Yeah, I know. It's like just the amount of times, like, because uh, my brother has an Xbox One and the amount of times you just fancy a game and like that bar comes up and you're like, oh, yeah. God, I'll go have a bath or something, I guess. Exactly. You want to play a game? Great. You can have it in four hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that uh, optimism out of the way towards the gaming industry, I believe, take me through, you've been playing Red Dead Redemption 1 and 2. I haven't actually played these. So like, what's the kind of those games in a nutshell? In a nutshell, basically, they're made by Rockstar, the same as the Grand Theft Auto games. And right. the way I would describe the people is it's basically Grand Theft Auto with horses. <laughs> it's very story driven and it's very, you know, you're going around your outlaws and set in the wild west. So they have different stories. And, and also, which is funny, I played Red Dead Redemption 2 first, but Red Dead Redemption 2 was actually set before Red Dead Redemption 1. So it actually worked out quite well. So there's basically a gang called the Vanderlyn gang and they're these notorious outlaws in the wild west and Red Dead Redemption 2 basically you play as a character called Arthur Morgan where you're in the last days of the Vanderlyn gang and you're seeing everything there and what they were like and what they were doing. And then in the second in the first game which happens after the second game you play as another character called John Marston who was in that gang as well but right. now his family have basically been taken and you have to track down the rest of your gang members and kill them in order to get your family back. Okay, so I think something worth bringing up about this is that even though I haven't played the Red Dead games, when Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, it was like a phenomenon. You couldn't, like, yeah. I knew people who turned up late to work because of they were yeah. doing those train robberies. I've known people who've just disappeared <laughs> into the game and, like, gotten really attached to their horse. So what is so fascinating about Red Dead Redemption 2 in particular? For Red Dead Redemption 2, and I'll go on record and say I had the same thing because I knew guys that I was working with at the time when Red Dead Redemption... Yeah, easy for me to say. When Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, I mean, they took two weeks off work just so they could go and play that game. And having played it myself, I mean... Yeah, it's true. Having played it myself, like I'll go on record and say, personally, it is the best game I've ever played. Wow, that is that is high praise for somebody who's had all the PlayStations, like... Yeah, and the reason being is the way I describe the people is it's hard to put into words because it's one of those, you know, if you play, you're just like, it's such a good experience because everything about it is amazing. You have the story, which is absolutely phenomenal. I said, if they made a movie about this game, it would easily win an Oscar. The story is incredible. The characters are incredible. The acting, the gameplay, the whole vibe of everything. The world is incredible. You can go around the world and like you have all these different areas with different places and different fields. And there's so much to do. Like you can go into any building, you can go hunting, you can go basically working for selling stuff at merchants, you can go and do all these side quests and take down bandit camps, whatever you like. So, and what is amazing that they managed to do in the game that I personally myself have experienced in another game is, you know, when you play a game and it feels like, okay, I'm in this world, but this world feels like these characters are just here just to yeah, yeah, talk yeah. to the main character to give you quests. This feels like I've never experienced a game like you are in the real world. So like you could you know, go away from the game for a few hours and come back and you would feel like the world has kind of moved on without you. People have done their own stuff. Like you're in camp and when you're in your camp, all these characters have different conversations about things that have happened between them and their lives. They like, and for me, this is a big thing as well. They change their clothes each day as well. So you see them the next day, they're wearing different clothes and they're discussing things, they get haircuts. So it's not just your character, it's everybody and everything is alive. Like you can go and you can speak to anybody in the game. Nothing is off limits and you can choose how, you want to actually be in the game you can choose to be basically an outlaw a bad guy or you can actually choose to be a good guy and it will affect how what happens in the game and how people treat you like for example say 
if you're notorious in the game for being a bad guy and robbing places, you'll go to a town and they won't serve you or anything. Like the people will be afraid of you. But if you're a good guy, you'll go into town and people will be nice and you'll get like discounts and shopping and stuff like that. So that level of continuity and everything like that as well is just, I, I think that's mind blowing. In fact, it feels like this is actually, you know, a real person in a real world and all these characters, you know, exist when this person isn't here. And as well as the story, like the story is absolutely phenomenal. I recommend anybody to play it because it's incredible. And I've never said this about a game before. It got me so emotional. Really? Yes, extremely emotional like because there's different things that happen in the game. And I've always played it. I'm like, okay, this is cool and this is that. But I was sitting there and I was like, my God, this is really pulling out the heartstrings. <laughs> okay. And like, so it's customizable and it's immersive. So yeah. basically it's a perfect lockdown game. It is, and it really feels like you're a real person because you have your character, like you have to feed him or else he'll start to lose health. If you're wearing, say, like a big coat and it's warm outside, he'll start to lose health because he's too warm and vice versa. If he's too cold and you're like, say, wearing like a short sleeve shirt, he'll start to lose health because it's too cold. You have to feed the horse as well. And one thing I love in the game as well, there's these different bad houses. And if you don't go to the bad houses and wash regularly, you'll get flies start following you around as you go around no way. the world. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's that detailed. God, it sounds more and more like The Sims every minute. <laughs> it's The Sims, but with cowboys. <laughs> well, I mean, they should put that on the box. I know a lot of people who'd buy it just based on that. Mm. Okay, and, and it, sorry, it, but before you go any further, I got to ask, you mentioned it's customizable. What's your character yeah. like then? Oh, well, in terms of the online, I haven't really played the online much, but in the actual game, your character is a guy, his name is Arthur Morgan, so he's an outlaw. And he's basically, he's been with this gang since he was a child. The leader is a guy called Dutch Vanderlint. And he basically brought him in when he was a child, as well as all the other members of the gang. So Arthur is kind of his right-hand man. And you see, the game starts that they're after, they're in the mountains on the run from the law. And the game starts where basically you're after doing uh, robbery on a ferry. But it's after going wrong, so they're on the run and they have to keep relocating camps. And they have to... Uh, they have to basically organize new plots to try and get money. So your character is basically the guy who's trying to help this guy get what he needs to be. But as the game goes on, he kind of starts to realize, well, maybe this, is, this isn't what I actually want from life. So it's amazing to see this guy you play, it's this guy Arthur, from where he is at the start to his transformation throughout the game. And it all depends on what basically happens to him, how you play the game and how he feels toward other people as well. Okay. And like, you've given us a lot of information there, but like, uh, what because you said you played Red Dead Redemption 1 as well. Is that on yeah. par with this new one? or? Um, it is a very, very good game. It, it, it's an excellent game, actually. It's on a PlayStation 3, so Red Dead 2 is on the PS4. Then Red Dead 1 is on the PS3. I think it came out in the Tales and the Ten. So it does have some of the limitations of the PS3 compared to the PS4 in terms of graphics and like the whole world feel. But again, it's an excellent game, and it's a very good story. This guy, you know... He has to basically turn against his old friends to try and get his family back. But, and he's a great character as well. He plays a guy called John Marston. Very strong game. Again, very character-driven. He is a great character. But for me, Red Dead 2 edges it just because I personally, myself, prefer the story and I prefer the character in Red Dead Redemption 2. But I'd recommend both games to anybody. I think they're both absolute masterpieces. Well, I mean, that is kind of a thing, because I know enough about Rockstar to know with the Grand Theft Auto and all that kind of stuff mm. that they're really good at building working worlds but quite often they the are. story is just something to hang that upon like so they've yeah. really nailed the story with this red dead 2 property this time like yeah 
Red Dead One and especially Red Dead Two, the story is absolutely phenomenal because you'll feel so many emotions and things that happen. So like things will happen in the game, and you'll be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this happened!" Like, and when it came to the end, when I was fighting the main kind of villain at the end, I've never played a game so much where I was like, "I want to kill this guy." <laughs> <laughs> and can I ask because I've I'm stuck on the kind of idea of it being sort of somewhat customizable. What's the craziest thing that's happened to you on your adventures in Red Dead Redemption One or Two? On the adventures of Red Dead Redemption One or Two, um, in terms of customization or just in general. In terms of anything, I'm assuming it's a working world. So did anything weird happen? Did a horse chase you or something like that? <laughs> there are some weird bits, and I've only experienced two glitches where basically doors didn't open. But there are like some pretty unique places. Like there's one village where basically the people are cursed and they're being attacked by scurvy dogs. And if you try and speak to them, they basically tell you to feck off basically and i tried to you know start one of them and i decided to punch one of them because he was basically telling me i gotta feck off and all of a sudden the whole village turned on me and started trying to chase me with shotguns oh like in the old legend of zelda <laughs> game when the chickens come after you that kind of thing yeah something similar <laughs> yeah a, a friend of mine who is also a parent has like gone down the red dead redemption to rabbit hole i may have told this story on the show before i apologize if i have but uh basically his uh, seven-year-old daughter watches it with him and she gets really excited yeah. when she sees a deer and not nice thing has happened to deer in this game. So every time he, yes. you know, skins a deer or whatever, he goes, oh, Viola, your friend's out the window and she runs over and he like quickly gets rid of it as soon as he can. Like, Yeah, and it's fairly graphic. Like you see yeah, the deer yeah, line yeah. there or whatever. And that's another thing. Like it's not just a case of that goes into your inventory and you have it then. Like it's so kind of realistic in the sense that you have to pick it up, pour it on your horse, bring it to the merchants and sell it there. Same with your weapons. Like in terms of having your weapons, they're stored on the horse. So if you get off your horse and go into a mission where you have to shoot and you haven't brought your guns with you to the game space, you're like, well, sorry about you. You left them on the horse. <laughs> all right well then i think uh, certainly you've given us a good sense of red dead now but what about the witcher 3 now uh i believe your friend saoirse was on a few episodes ago she told us all yeah. about gwent but i still don't have a good handle on what witcher 3 is so take us through that for witcher 3 i'm still playing through it at the moment i i'm not sure how far i'm into it because this is game is a mammoth it's huge mm. basically the best way i could describe it is you're playing as this guy called Geralt of rivia right. who's a witcher and what witchers basically are they're these kind of mutated i suppose for want of a better term bounty hunters who basically they go down and they hunt monsters for coins say a monster is terrorizing the village they get a witcher and the witcher goes kills the monster brings back say like its head and say right i've killed your monster and they get yeah. coins so which is primarily care about money and that's their way of making it but in terms of a story um, Gerald is chasing this girl who's basically his adopted daughter and he's, it's his quest trip again to try and find where his adopted daughter is while kind of encountering people from the first two games and also going around the world trying to complete these contracts for witches and stuff like that so it's extremely immersive it's one of those games where the story is great and it's fantastic that, but I mean you could clock up easily 30 or 40 hours just doing side quests Okay, all right. Now, I've got to ask, because I've heard so much about The Witcher 3, but can you just start there, or do you need to have a notion of what's going on for the first two games? That's what I did. I started on Witcher 3. I'd never played the first two games, and it does help to have played the first two games, I found, because you're meeting these characters, and your characters kind of speak to them, saying, oh, hey, how's it going? Do you remember this and that? And I'm sitting here like, what are these people talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what is nice, though, is if you don't know who the characters are, they kind of give you, like, an inventory of characters and like how your Carol knows them and where they've mm. been and stuff like that. But it is beneficial to play the first two games. But 
I suppose the only downside to that is you got to play through two massive games in order to get to this game. Yeah, 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 I suppose. And like you mentioned, it was immersive. So what really hooked you in about this one? I suppose what really hooked me in about it was, again, just the whole big open world. There's a field of them. There's so much to do. Um, and it's just a variety of missions you can do. Like there's different monsters. You've got like your werewolves, your vampires. They even have these tree monsters, these kind of uh, ghouls and these ghosts, everything that's kind of inside. And again, it's a very strong character. Like the guy you play is Geralt. I'm not sure you've seen the Witcher TV series with Henry Cavill. He's a very I cool character. I have seen he's it, yeah, yeah. A guy. Oh, then you know he's, he's excellent in it as well. He's such a great character and he gets the character spot on compared to the games. And it's the whole kind of concept of it's like being a fantasy kind of bounty hunter. It's set in the 13th century and you're going around on your horse and you're catching these guys down. You've got your different swords and you have to, you know, customize your swords with different things and you can use your magic against these monsters. And we'll give you like a list of hey, this works here and that works there. And it's also, there's a slight element of RPG to it in the sense that like you'll have different moments in the game and you'll encounter different people. And it's up to you to decide what way you want to interact with these people. And that will determine what happens later on in the game. Okay. And like Red Dead, is it like how much of your input goes into it? Like is the story locked in or is there kind of a lot of variety like? There is a lot of variety. It's the same as Red Dead Redemption 2 in the sense that there are different endings you can get depending on how you play the game. Right. Now, one thing I will say that is, uh, one thing I will say that is quite funny and without spoiling too much, there are two kind of love interests in the game. Like there's these two women that Geralt has been in love with and throughout the game, you have to choose which one you want to basically put Geralt with. Right. But what's funny is, and I was put wise to this actually by my brother who had played the game before, it's very funny in the sense that you have to choose between them. But if you choose both, they'll basically both bring you into this room and they'll leave you there to basically fend for yourself. It's like if you try and be smart and chase balls, you'll end up with absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, I see. So there's actual consequences for there you to be in a chancer. Like, okay, I, I must say that is incredibly refreshing to hear about. It is. <laughs> And I, I like that because I was, he was saying, what are you? And I was like, well, I'm doing this and doing that. And he was like, don't do that. Why? Because this will happen. And I was like, oh, okay. Actually, <laughs> I better replay that last part of the game. Well, my <laughs> only experience with The Witcher is the Netflix series. But yeah, if if the female characters in the game are anything like that, yeah, I can't imagine they'd suffer fools gladly. Like, Absolutely. The sorceresses, they, uh, they don't let anybody mess with them in that game. And it's two of the characters that you saw in the series, if anybody's watched the series, uh, your main two love interests will be Triss and Yennefer. Ah, I see. Okay, that makes sense now. So if, uh, what is it in terms of spoilers? If I tell the story of Witcher 1 and 2, will that be ruining things for anybody? Uh, we'll tell you what then, just because uh, for people listening at home who may not, who may have heard of them, but may not have played them, why don't you instead tell us, uh, is it an easy game to pick up? And what's the kind of appeal of it? It's a very easy game to pick up, and the appeal is that you're in this, I suppose, almost like World of Warcraft. You're in this fantasy world where everybody has like these different places, and it's a massive open world game. And there's these different areas, and every area has a completely different feel to it. And you know, your character is kind of renowned and you're famous. So if you're one of the players, just I suppose, kind of badass, kind of mercenary bounty hunter for hire in this kind of fantasy world where you can just get completely lost in and just make your own choices and basically decide how you would see this character and what he wants to do going around and picking up coin picking up these weapons and going through a very immersive and very diverse story it's a game for you and you again with the rpg element you can decide how this guy treats people and what he does and 
everything like that. Even something as simple as when you get a Witcher contract, as they're called, when you're hunting a monster, you can try and argue and barter over the price and how much you should get paid, depending on how big you think the monster is and how hard the job is. So it's almost like living a world inside this game, which I think is fantastic to do. Okay. And like, because I know not everyone kind of would be up on their fantasy like it's it's even though it's kind of more widespread now than it has ever been it's still a bit of a niche thing to some because we brought this up on the Dungeons and Dragons episode Mm. would you enjoy this if you aren't particularly interested in fantasy um yeah I mean I'll be honest I've never played World of Warcraft I just know what it's like. And I've only ever sat in in one Dungeons and Dragons session. So for me personally, I found it fairly easy to pick up because I enjoy the whole kind of adventure style of it as well. Like you don't have to be like completely immersed in the whole kind of fantasy world. There is a lot of fantasy and magic, but if you enjoy an adventure and kind of just, I suppose, on a very basic level, going around whacking things with swords, you'll enjoy it that way. <laughs> That's very true. And <laughs> let me ask you something before we wrap. You've picked three very immersive games with big wide worlds full of variety and customizable kind of characters and all that kind of stuff why do you find those kind of games appealing i find them kind of appealing because i like having the freedom in the game to go around and really kind of i suppose explore and choose which way you want to play the game like i think if a game is linear it can suffer a little bit because i know obviously a linear game batman arkham asylum was excellent but i prefer the likes arkham city where you could explore the city and stuff like that so you having the choice to kind of do these side quests, like you really feel like you can get attached to this character, I think, because a big thing for me when it comes to movies, TV shows, books, games, anything, is if there's a good character and I feel like I care about the main character and the side characters as well, once that development is there and I feel like they're in a world that I care about and I can completely, I suppose, get lost in for one of a better term, is that's the broad appeal to me because it's this kind of big commitment and I'm saying, you know, if I'm going to play this game for X amount of verse, I really want to get the full kind of I suppose, immersion that I'm looking for. Okay, so you wouldn't be happy with like an on-the-rails sort of game, even if the, the kind of gameplay itself was good. If there wasn't that sort of level of interactivity, it wouldn't appeal to you as much. It would still appeal to me to an extent. Like, I, I like the spot, like for the Batman Arkham Sum, I did love that game. Like, they are great games, but I'm saying this mm. is kind of the exact game that would appeal to me. That's why I suppose I got so excited when I saw PlayStation 5 is going to focus on more kind of big kind of multiplayer mm. uh not multiplayer single player kind of games like this one thing i will say that the only downside is when you first take these games on and there's so much to do and so much to do, it can be fairly overwhelming at first because initially i was like when i took witcher up especially i was like what do i do <laughs> where do i go there's so much but then once you get a few hours in your right i gotta go over here and if i put that there and apply this weapon here this will help me do this and that over there so there is kind of a slight learning curve to it but i think if you're used to games and your interest in kind of just getting lost and immersed in the game, these are perfect for you. Yeah, Saoirse mentioned that. You talked about Breath of the Wild and stuff and how there were games that were mm. almost too big and that kind of stressed her out because she just needed to know where to go and the game wouldn't tell her, you know? Yes, yes, of course. Luckily with these, you can, uh, they have the little mini maps that shows, go over here and talk to this person. It's like, <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> All right, we are nearly out of time. Is there anything you'd like to say while we're on the air just uh, before we wrap? Uh, no, that's um, all for me. Just uh, advice to you, anybody here listening. If you're looking for games to play that you haven't played before, Red Dead 1, Red Dead 2, and Witcher 3, can't recommend them enough. My first playthroughs and all of them happened during lockdown. And I suppose it was nice just to connect with gaming again. I've been playing 
FIFA for so many years. And once I got back to actual other games, I was like, oh my God, video <laughs> games are fun. What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you do. It's funny actually playing video games as adult. You do have this sort of, you lost your way with it and then rediscovered it again kind of relationship. Yes, and it's been so nice. So I suppose, although everything that's going on is horrible, that's been one kind of, I suppose, nice element, just chilling out, playing games with the dogs and yeah. just, I suppose, anybody listening, if you want to pick up some games, they're downloadable. I think PlayStation 4, especially, I'm not sure about Xbox, is uh, having a lot of sales in these games, so they're yeah. well worth checking out. And just, for everybody, I just hope everybody listening is just staying happy and staying healthy. Excellent. And one last time, Alex, where can people who might be interested in contacting you or booking you find you? They can find me on Facebook. My name on Facebook is Alex J. Byrne, but if they want to contact my comedian page, it is the very modestly named The Great Alex Byrne. <laughs> All right. Well, that thank you very much, the great Alex Byrne. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks very much, Ken. Really appreciate it. All right. So you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nairthnomedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Nairthnow Media everywhere. Nairthnow Media on Twitter. Nairthnow Media Instagram. Nairthnow Media on Twitch. Nairthnow Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Are you a nerd? Do you like hearing about a bizarre range of topics from the world of nerd? Does your heart and hairstyle still belong in the nostalgic 90s? Are you a sucker for spooky weirdo things? Well, whether you're a hardcore nerd or a vanilla ice ice baby, Straight Outta Canto is the podcast radio show for you! Straight Outta Canto, that's K-A-N-T-O, Ireland's number one show for nerd culture, nightmares, nostalgia and more. Straight Outta Canto. And welcome back to the Game Corner. Thanks so much to Alex Byrne, who was on our first half. Now, for our second guest this week, uh, we have a very good friend of mine on the show, Neil Cochran, who is an online moderator. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing good, Kim. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Is this your first time doing a podcast? No, no, I've done a, a couple of friends. We used to run a podcast talking about films and things, and we kind of just uh, grew out of it. Just our work schedules and things were conflict uh, conflicting. But uh, no, no stranger to, to, to podcasting, but uh, never done a gaming podcast before. Excellent. Well, thank you so yeah. much for giving up the time. What was your first podcast called, in case anyone wants to go look it up? Uh, Puny Gods. So Puny Gods? To, yeah, it was a reference to you know the Hulk. In, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smashing Smash Loki around the place. Yeah, yeah. So it was a Puny Gods podcast. We just used to get together and we used to challenge each other to to go and watch films that maybe we wouldn't normally watch. You know, I was more of a sci-fi fan and then mm. one of the guys was more of a horror fan and he'd be like, yeah, go and watch this horror slasher from the 80s. And I'd be like, there's no phasers in this. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting dynamic we had. I know what you mean. I'm on another one called Anime Crash Course, where the guy who hosts it, Kev, challenges us to go watch like a weird anime we might never have heard of. And right. this month, it's one about uh, a maid in someone's house who's also a dragon. So yeah, okay. it does kind of push you out of your comfort zone a bit. Yeah, it really does. I don't know <laughs> if you've ever seen... Uh, there was an old film they made me watch called Samurai Cop. I know it through Red Letter Media, but I've never watched it. What's your experience of it? <laughs> it was ridiculous, man. You've seen you've seen more professional filmmaking from students, you know? It was just so 
Oh, I don't know. Cuts, the cuts and the audio and everything, the acting was all just so terrible. But these are the kind of things that my friends love. <laughs> but there is like an art to it. It's like a film has to be over a certain threshold of bad to hold yeah. your attention, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's up there with Sharknado. It's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous enough to, to be amusing in some way. <laughs> But like there is a line like because I, I caught a bit of like Sharknado 4 on the horror channel and once they're trying to make it bad on purpose, for some reason the magic just isn't there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you kind of get used to it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, well then, before we get into the games and stuff, how have you been coping since lockdown started? I appreciate you work from home. So has it impacted your life in any particular way? Yeah, I mean, anytime I've had this conversation with people, I tend to tell them the first thing that I usually say to them is that um, I, I have no complaints. I, I can't, I can't complain. Every, nothing's really changed for me, so I feel incredibly lucky. You know, mm. given given what has happened to a lot of people. But uh, yeah, I work from home anyway, um, so nothing's really changed in that regard. We've become a lot more busy because I work for a, a video hosting website and um, whatever educational institutions closed and train personal trainers had to close and businesses and offices they're all communicating by video now you know so if anything i got busier work-wise um it's been crazy but uh yeah i just can't i i wouldn't have left the house very much anyway so <laughs> I, just, I i do my day's work and then i watch my shows you know i'm obsessed with tv and box sets and movies and gaming and that sort of thing so yeah nothing's really changed for me but um obviously mindful that it's changed for a lot of people so you won't hear too many complaints out of my lips mm. well uh, well that's exactly it because we've had a few artists on the show whose like lives just stopped like in half yeah. a second but at the same time like you know dara who runs our channel like he would do similar work to what you do. And when the whole lockdown started, I imagine there was like a huge sudden rush of work that yeah. had to be put on your shoulders to adapt websites and all that, not just to the needs of, like you said, videos and stuff, but the fact that everyone is on the internet more, right? Yeah, that's it. Uh, and particularly what we're doing, because the, the company I work for also do live streaming and the amount of people who've turned to live streaming, particularly churches you think of how many churches across america mm. <laughs> alone you know what like doing broadcast. mass online like that kind of thing yeah yeah they're doing their sermons live you know could be several times a week you know for one church you know and that's just churches you know you like i say schools and, and professors and you know they're all said they're all doing live classes so people can just what you know do it from home and it's been difficult trying to support so many people all of a sudden but you know we're coping we're doing okay um, but aside from that, uh, yeah, I, 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 well, I, you know, I told you recently, I, I recently built a, a brand new gaming PC. Cause yes, I, unfortunately <laughs> we can't show photos on the radio, but it looks <laughs> superb. Yeah. I, I didn't have a lot of experience with gaming PCs. I was always more of a console player, but, um, I, probably because of the kind of work I've fallen into and the kind of people I'm working with who are all used to working from home. A lot of them are online gamers and they've all got their own PCs and they've been gnawing away at me for months. You know, you need to get one of these and we can play this, we can do that, you know? And, and I just kind of said, okay, darn it. I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah, I just started, started buying up components. My neighbor um, would be a big PC builder. He's a big computer geek <laughs> mm. he he sold me uh he sold me a really good graphics card and i kind of just built everything around that so that's taken up a lot of my focus the last few weeks and it's only really in the last two weeks that i've got it 
up and up and running and it's purring like a kitten it's beautiful there's hoses full of green liquid just pumping around it and there's so many different lights it's it's so pretty and how would you even learn where or where would you learn how to build a gaming pc like it seems like a huge undertaking well it is but there, there's so many resources because this is you know people have been doing this for a long time i'm gonna be honest i didn't do a lot of the build <laughs> I bought a lot of the components and my neighbor did most of the building for me. I screwed a few things in here and there and I provided some screwdrivers. So I, I wasn't completely useless in the whole process, but <laughs> you know, now that it's put together, I'm making good use of it, but I've learned a lot while we go. I mean, you, you start your, your case, you get a big enough case for the kind of build that you want to put together. You get your motherboard, basically everything plugs into the motherboard and then, and then you need a power source and everything plugs into the power source. You just have to make decisions on what kind of build you want, really. You know, how much memory are you going to need or how, how good you want your graphics to be? How much cooling are you going to need? A lot of This thing has six fans in it, but it whispers. You know, it's, you can't hear anything. And then the graphics card actually needs to be water-cooled. So I've got a big tank there with um, all this green. You can pick different colors of liquid. So I picked a green liquid, and it's literally just pumping through the graphics card constantly. And the fans are cooling the liquid as it, as it moves around through the graphics card and it just it's so beautiful i'm, I'm staring at it <laughs> I, I can't wait to see it in person <laughs> like I, I i from what it's you've been telling me the photos obviously don't do it justice like yeah well we had a few problems with the the, the mother the motherboard that i bought initially um had some problems with uh, some of the sticks that the ram plugs into uh, so I, I ended up having to replace the motherboard after only a few days but um yeah it's all up and running now and it's yeah you you're gonna love it and, and i've got the projector screen here if i want to i can put it up on the big screen here in my room as well so it sounds like you are like prepped in case the lockdown runs for another six months you've got your home cinema gaming system like yeah <laughs> i wish i had it six months ago <laughs> but like but you yeah. know that is something like you've you've done a project and made the most of i know it hasn't affected your life the same way some other people has but you've really made the most of the time i've tried i've tried to um because i've got so many box sets that are that are now finished <laughs> you know mm. i'm finished with picard picard's done you know um better call saul's done you know i needed something else oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well at least you've got that i'm limited to what's baby appropriate at the best of times so uh, yeah, of course uh but i'll sneak in a few things after she's gone to sleep at like three in the morning or something like that <laughs> lock the door yeah exactly well actually <laughs> since you brought up picard i believe you wanted to talk about star trek online yes yeah you haven't uh you haven't experienced this yourself have you no i must confess i've apart from maybe one game on the nintendo ds i've never actually on a board game that we have at home called star trek ascendancy i've never actually played a Star Trek video game. Okay, well, I, I mean, I've played a few, but Star Trek Online is the Star Trek video game. It's a it's a an MMORPG, right? So it's basically the way the game works. It's all about your career as an officer. So you create your character. You decide, you know, do you want to be a human? Do you want to be a Vulcan? Do you want to be a Romulan, a Klingon, a, an alien of, of some kind? You choose mm. your allegiance. Do you want to be with, you know, Picard and the Federation? Or do you want to join the Romulan Empire, the Klingon Empire, whatever it may be? And your missions, missions, the, there are missions throughout the game, obviously. Go to this planet, do that. Fight this guy. Go to this planet, 
beam down, you know, solve this puzzle, collect these items, whatever it may be. That's all just a very small part of the game because it's it's about accumulating technology, make you know, accumulating better ships, faster ships, more powerful ships, weapons, consoles, you know, getting the best crew together. Um, obviously, there's the online aspect where you're playing with your friends, but in terms of non you know, non playable characters, you you want to get bridge officers who have certain skills and you can train them in certain ways it's so vast i mean it's so hard to just sort of sum it up in a few minutes because you could there is a console version that i was playing for for years and now i'm back on the pc i kind of starting from the beginning again but there are there are players who are so into this that they have seven or eight different characters maybe more and they're bouncing between these different games that they have you know i'm going to develop this guy as a klingon within the klingon federation i'm going to develop this woman as a, a starfleet uh, tactical officer or i'm going to go for this uh, ferengi engineer you know <laughs> so do you only so actually tell you what actually i'll back up further because you and i we've both kind of been to a lot of the star trek eras and that kind of stuff we're kind of fairly yeah. plugged into star trek would you have uh, to know quite a lot about the franchise to play this game and enjoy it not necessarily, no. There's a certain amount of nostalgia for a fan because a lot of the original actors come back and did their voices for their really? characters in the game. Yeah, yeah, lots of them, lots of them. Um, but you would you could enjoy the the aspects of the gameplay and what it involves. You know, you have all these games like Command and Conquer and you know, where you're going around building an empire and that kind of thing. You don't necessarily have to know a lot about tanks you know, to yeah. enjoy a game like that. Stellaris is another one. It's kind of a build a, a, a space empire, you know, conquer, well, not conquer, colonize yeah. planets and, and all that kind of thing. If you're just into that, you know, exploration and accumulating, having goals constantly, you know, you want to, I want a better <laughs> ship, I want a better crew, you know. You can still enjoy it without being a Star Trek fan, but I think if you're a Star Trek fan, for a while it felt like there was no Star Trek. You know, there was there was nothing until sort of Discovery came back, brought it back to TV and that sort of thing. Um, so that, this kind of plugged that gap for a lot of Star Trek fans because it carried on stories. You know, it was like this is what happened next. You know. Yeah, because Enterprise and like, which I must say, the well, last season of that was very good. I know this isn't a Star yeah. Trek podcast, but it felt <laughs> like that ended quite abruptly. And then there's the Abrams stuff, but that is parallel. So you're, yeah. and even Discovery is kind of a prequel. So there, you're right. There mm -hmm. was this big kind of Doctor Who sized desert of time where nothing was moving forward unless you're into the books and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, this this was the closest thing people had to show or, or set in that original universe. So, you know, I think you will enjoy it more if you are a Star Trek fan, and especially when some of these characters come back and do their voices again. It's you've got to like, let me know, oh, kind you know. of which which characters are we talking? Oh, where to start? Um, Worf, Geordi. Oh, proper ringers, like recognizable characters, like. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Leonard Nimoy did a lot of um, a lot of voice work for it before he passed. Okay, so this isn't a recent game then. Oh no no no! It's it's been going for ooh, could be ten years, maybe more. Holy moly! I've never known like an online game because usually the problem with online games of any kind, like I'm a huge fan of the Empire of War game in Star Wars, is after two years the multiplayer fan base sort of moves on to other things and the game is kind of inoperable. So this is still going strong then. 
Oh yes, and it evolves, and and it it has probably helped that all this new content has come on TV. You know, Discovery, Picard, and that because that gives them more different ships to bring into the game mm. or different characters. You, the likes of Seven of Nine, she would have done voices for it before anyway. Um, Jerry Ryan, the the whole Voyager crew basically did voices. Um, the Deep Space Nine crew, most of them have done the voices again. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of them. So. But all that new, all the new shows has just given them more avenues to explore with new content, and I can't see the game dissipating with its fan base anytime soon. And I've got to ask: Is this an online free-to-play game, or was is this like on Steam? Like, is it a where would people find it? Well, it's uh, it is a free-to-play game. Um, obviously, there's extra content or things you can buy along the way if you choose to, but you don't have to. Um, it's like anything, you know, you could take shortcuts and you could spend money and you could buy ships and you could buy upgrades and that, mm. but you can get those things through the games. There are events that give away um, what, you, what would be called sort of tier six ships. That's like your highest tier of ship um, that normally you would have to buy, but you can win them in events and you can do different things and you can, you can trade energy credits. You can buy things with the digital currency within the game. Um, you can get it. Let me just, it is... The developer is, it used to be Perfect World. It's now called Cryptic. Uh, Cryptic with a Y. Um, what else? The ARC website. You can download it from ARC. And I think you can get it on Steam. There, there, I think there are a few places you can get it. If you just Google Star Trek online, uh, it's not hard to find. Okay. And like, um, t- I know you talked a bit about the gameplay already, but take me through like, an average day playing this game because it's not i'm guessing it's not like a strictly story based game like a mass effect game like no not strictly so um like i say when you first start the game you're given a certain ship and a certain you know you'll have one or two bridge officers who come to on away missions with you um there would be obviously sort of initial missions that you can do like a kind of like a tutorial um but then beyond that, so when I log in, the first thing I do is check to see if I've had any upgrades while I've been away because you can set uh, sort of background officers to do certain tasks for you while you're not even at the computer. Um, there's a timer on those. So some of them could be, some of them might take an hour, some of them might take 40 hours. You know, so you could be, you could log in one day and go, oh, there's that task I started a few days ago. They've completed it successfully or they, they made a complete hames of it and uh, two of them have died. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> collect your rewards or your upgrades and move on and assign them to other tasks. Um, you're accumulate, you're constantly accumulating. So you've got energy credits, you've got what's called the lithium crystals, um, you've gold pressed latinum, you know, all these different yeah. things, sort of virtual currencies and, and uh, skill points that you can assign to yourself or, or other people to learn new abilities. So a very basic player might just have a ship with two weapons, a very basic ship with very low, threshold for <laughs> taking a pounding <laughs> you know boom you're dead yeah. and then there's other players that might have a, a much more powerful ship with eight weapons and and it's not even just about the weapons if you have certain abilities in yourself or your your crew members you can deal damage to other ships without firing a torpedo you know it's you know activate uh, an artificial gravity well and get them sucked into it or <laughs> create ghost images uh, you know holographic ships to confuse enemy sensors there's it's so hard to just sort of sum it up but yeah a typical day like say this morning i got up i came down i opened the game 
so I checked my duty officers, collected rewards from that. Uh, I had a look through all the equipment that I'd gathered recently to make sure that I had the best stuff on the ship. And then I'm looking at my, my ranking. I'm sitting at rank 23 and I'm only about 100 points away from rank 24. You, you unlock better ships and better weapons at higher ranks. So it goes up. You're probably level 65 before you kind of have access to most aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so those early days are really spent trying to bump up your experience points, um, which you can do in the storyline missions within the game or there are side missions you can do, you know, just you can fight against other players. You can fight against non-playable characters just for the, for the sake of it, just for a few minutes, just to gather some, some energy credits, some dilithium, some experience points and just boost your, your character that way. Um, but ship maintenance is one of the big things, you know, you go to these spaceports and you can, design your ship you can change the layout of the ship how it looks how, what color it is and your uniforms everything there's so much detail in this game you can get your uniform you can wear uniforms from you know the days of kirk and spock or you can wear uniforms from voyager you can get uniforms that aliens wore in one episode of deep space nine you know 30 years ago <laughs> it's, um, there's so much choice in it it's, you could spend a lifetime exploring this game Okay, and like because Star Trek isn't like a typical like sort of conquering type franchise. I know there's Klingons and stuff, but then what's your kind of goal then? Is it to like just go out into the great unknown like Kirk, or do you have to fight in wars? Like, what's the kind I mean, of mission statement? The gameplay is. I mean, that's the one thing that that even though the gameplay is enjoyable, a lot of it is combat based. So for a Star Trek game, you know that's. It's a bit iffy, to yeah. the, the natural heart of 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 Star Trek, but mm. there is a, there is exploration as well. There there are storylines about ancient races that link back to episodes and things that someone mentioned in an episode, and and they've kind of picked that up and expanded on it and said, okay, so Data said this back in 1991, let's pick that and make a whole storyline out of it, and suddenly we're discovering this race of ancient aliens that haven't been around the galaxy for thousands of years and this is who they are and this is what they do so there is still a lot of there's a lot of puzzles and and scientific discoveries and you find things just when you're walking around and and running around diaries that someone left you know from hundreds of years ago or artifacts from like these dead races Um, so there is still a lot of that sort of exploration in that the main purpose of the game is to improve your character and your ship and your crew but you do that in a variety of ways and the storylines is just it's just a small part of that um but they are interesting especially when they bring back some of the old characters and it's like this this is what happened to the politics of the galaxy 20 years after what you saw on tv you know it could have gone this way it could have gone that way so well that's just it like you said until picard came along that universe hasn't moved forward since voyager like yeah nemesis i suppose it was the last thing star trek nemesis the last next generation movie that would have been the very latest thing to happen between that and picard there's just a big void Mm. you know um and that's that's what the game kind of explored not that it's when when new content comes out on tv it's not that they turn around and change the story and suddenly it's like oh well uh, um we got that wrong so it's actually going this way but they'll just introduce discovery characters and discovery ships and discovery based missions and that sort of thing so it doesn't interfere 
if you know what I mean. Okay. And like from what you've told me so far, it's clearly made by people who know Star Trek and really care about it. Like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it was something we noticed. Uh, a friend of mine from England was playing it with me the other day. Um, there was uh, a planet we went to, and we found these artifacts from this race, and they were only mentioned once in Star Trek, and it was the the language that they apparently spoke one of the characters in, in in star trek the next generation had mentioned that it was a combination of this language and that language and that was all that was ever mentioned you know, about these languages and someone has taken that and made a whole planet you know <laughs> one of those languages comes from this planet and we're going to go there and we're going to find all this juicy tech and all the stuff that they left behind and then we're going to find out where they went and what they did and and then they're going to come back and then they're going to try and destroy us all and and that all came from a single conversation that someone had in an episode of star trek you know, 30, well, 40 years well that's just it about star trek there's probably like two thousand odd episodes or something but like every one of those episodes is someone's favorite and in the star trek online you really have a great form for spitting that off into other things don't you yeah, and it's great to have people who are fans who are behind the the development of the of the game. You know, it's not like you know Star Trek Monopoly, who it's just Monopoly. <laughs> if just, you know, put some Star Trek names on the board and and try to appeal to a fandom. You know, it's actually yeah, yeah. I know we had a Doctor Who Monopoly like in the shop for a while, and instead of locations, they literally just had like different doctors. And you get the right. sense that, like, oh, well, someone just Googled Doctor Who and plugged that in. It wasn't made by someone who really cared, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important to a lot of gamers as well, if the, especially if a game is made from a franchise. Or even when a movie is made from a game, you want someone who was involved in what you fell in love with to be involved in developing it in a different way. Mm. Well, that's just it, because it's a bigger conversation than we have time to get into, but, like... When you invest in a franchise, be it like the Avengers or like a Star Trek or whatever, like, and then something is made that feels like it hasn't been as well researched or well crafted as the time you've kind of put into it, it kind yeah. of shows and it bothers you straight away, doesn't it? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we've got about one or two minutes left on the clock. Is there anything you'd like to say about the game before we wrap or even anything else you'd want to recommend? Well, that's where my focus has been. Um, like I said, I've only had this thing for a few weeks. Um, I tried Battlefield. I, I'm terrible at Battlefield. I see these Battlefields and Call of Duties and that. Mm. I, 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 I die before I even know what direction I'm facing. I mean, yeah, I, I find those very stressful. <laughs> so therefore, therefore, I've concluded that those games are the most realistic games that, that are ever made. Because if you drop me in the middle of a battlefield, it wouldn't end well for me, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's what I found with the Call of Duties. It's like, you, unless you're a certain type of gamer, you learn very quickly that you would not have lasted long in World War II. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the games that I enjoy the most are the ones that you, you kind of have to do a lot of deep thinking about, you know, and strategize about. Um, so the likes of Star Trek Online and the one I mentioned before, Stellaris, that's another very good one. It's another free to... Is it free to no, it's not free to play, mm. but, um, but it's not expensive. Um, Again, it's get out into the galaxy and explore and colonize new worlds and meet new races and, and develop your, so, your social, your economic, your politics, uh, you know, all these different things. And I like, I like having those things to think about uh, rather than just 
blowing things up but blowing things up is a lot of fun too so <laughs> in that way star trek online is, is perfect for me because i don't just it's not just about blowing things up it's about the means by which you're going to blow things up <laughs> yes and i've got to ask because i feel like i have to ask this every time there's like a free-to-play game you don't run into obstacles if you're not paying to play like too much no no not at all you don't uh, the gameplay is there for everyone you know, so you don't have to pay to access certain levels, mm. but if you're impatient, you could just pay for a better ship rather than earning it, you know, and going and working and gathering enough energy credits within the game to pay for it, you know, so yeah, no, they're, they're, none of the gameplay is restricted financially, so you know, it's, there are people who have played that game for years and have great ships and, and, and they don't, they've never spent a penny. Okay, because I know that a few years ago I came across like a mobile Star Trek game. I'm, tr- I'm trying to look up the name of what it was now. Oh yeah, Star Trek Trexels, where it, like, um, it was so steeped into the monetization that like you had to do a five-minute game to get like one crystal, and you needed like a hundred crystals to unlock a new planet. Like, there's none of that kind of malarkey. No, no, definitely not. Um, you can work your way through. The game will give you new ships as you rank up, up to tier five. And you can make a living with a tier five ship, but then they'll run events three or four times a year, and the reward for taking part in the event could be a tier six ship. So you could you can still run through all the missions, you can still access all the planets and all the all the gameplay features without buying these awesome new ships. It's more of a new toy, you know. <laughs> so I don't mind spending a bit of money here and there for you know a better ship. Not everybody wants to, maybe not everybody can. And that's fine. You're you're still going to be able to get your hands on those. It ships. won't interrupt your fun, like. No, it definitely won't. It's not like here you're going to pay fifty quid to to talk to Worf here in the game. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's not. There's no meet and greet. You know, it's just they're all there, and you can interact with them, and that's fine. Excellent. Well, on that very promising note, I think we will wrap this episode. Neil, thank you very much for taking the time to appear on the show. It's been great having you. Thanks for inviting me, and it's good to it's good to hear from you. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, how's the show doing? You're running this a good month now, aren't you? Maybe longer. Uh, yeah, yeah, a good month or two now. A uh, bit, but a bit of behind the scenes. This episode's actually a bit backlogged. Uh, we're recording it a week or two before it'll go out. So, okay. yeah, gonna we're gonna take a break at around episode ten, uh, just to kind of plan out the next leg of it. But it's been a great experience, and it's been great to kind of meet new people and catch up with everyone just to find out what they're doing with like yourself because like there is a social dynamic to this as well during the lockdown just check in if everyone's okay you know yeah well that's it and that's one of the things one of the reasons i got this game on pc so i could interact with people without leaving the house (laughs) Mm. well then uh we'll talk a little bit more off the air but uh neil cochran thank you so much for joining us i hope you can give up the time to appear again on the show sometime soon absolutely no problem thank you Excellent. The Game Corner will be back here for our series finale of sorts next week, Friday at one o'clock. Until then, thank you so much for joining us. I've been Keanu Calicorn, this has been Neil Cochran, and we'll be back Friday next week. Bye! Bye.
Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.